This is Corkscrew Convos, another theme park podcast. My name is DJ. And my name is Chris. And we're here to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, Abu Dhabi, the theater, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get our disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Chris, I just want to thank you from our last episode for not spoiling Dark Coaster for me. I appreciate you allowing me to exit and get myself over to Williamsburg at Busch Gardens, Busch Gardens at Williamsburg, and ride the coaster. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, plane fares are too expensive. Gas is just not going to work right now. But I do appreciate you not spoiling me and instead spoiling our dear listener. Now, here's the thing, DJ, because I know between our last recording and when we're recording right now that you did not ride Dark Coaster because you would have sent me photos, you would have told me about it. You might even said, hey, while you were driving past me to get to Williamsburg. But I was trying to put together in my head why you didn't, like what happened, what obstacle got in your way. And of course you could have said airfare, last minute stuff, okay, but I, I tried to get very creative with it. So I was thinking, what could have stopped DJ? Could it have been a rock slide that just destroyed the road in front of him and he, he whipped a quick Yui, like in an action movie, like in Too Fast, Too Furious, and then and came back uh, to your home and said, you know what? Providence has dictated that I do not ride Dark Coaster today. I will turn around. That's what went on in my head. It was either a rock slide or a flash blizzard in May. That was going through my head. So I, I, clearly that wasn't the truth, but that's what I was trying to surmise as to why you didn't get to ride Dark Coaster. Well, I, I, it's, it's actually a lie. What really happened is, you know those gigantic bridges that come up where a ship can go underneath them on each side? They rise... Well, that was yeah. my only way across the only highway to get to Busch Gardens Williamsburg from where I lived. Unfortunately, the bridge rose too fast. I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to jump it like in an action movie. So I did pull a Yui. But hopefully we'll get there soon. Now, DJ, I hate those bridges. And I'm kind of disappointed that you brought that up. Because now this well, draw entire bridge. episode... Draw bridge. A drawbridge. This entire episode is derailed because I need to rail against that bridge type. Because I've gone on that bridge, so the sort of thing, a drawbridge, I guess people call it, many times. And it's awkward because you have such a steep incline. And then there's a drawbridge section. There's so much going on on the bridge. I mean, like, who are you trying to please? Just be a suspension bridge or don't be a bridge at all. That's what I'm trying to say. But there was one time I was driving Chicago up that bridge. Chicago has entered the chat. <laughs> don't get me started. But there was one time I was driving up that mountain of a bridge and there was a stopped, of course it was, let me back up a little bit. There was construction, which brought a four lane road down to three lanes. So here we go, there was one lane in my direction, two lanes against me. And wouldn't you know it, there was this big tractor trailer that because it was such a steep incline, had stalled out. Oh. It had the flares, <laughs> it had the lights, and it was on the bridge going up. And I was like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? And everybody <laughs> in my direction, the flow of traffic was sort of doing that thing where they peek around the side of the truck and then whiz past it and go back on their way. Meanwhile, we're still on a drawbridge. This thing could open up at any minute. You don't know when that's going to happen. And the longer you stay on the bridge, the more likely it is that you are going to get caught up in the mystery and the madness that is a drawbridge. So I was trying to do that. Little by little, it became my turn to whip around this tractor trailer. And it was very stressful because meanwhile, there were still cars coming around. And I'm like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. Why are we doing this? Uh, I did survive. I did go around the truck, but it put a sour taste in my mouth for drawbridges that I hate. I hate them, DJ. I haven't driven on a drawbridge in, let's see, two or three years, but you unlocked a memory here and you are liable for that, DJ. We had a good podcast going, a good episode right here, and then you brought up drawbridges, so this is your fault. I don't know that I've ever crossed one outside of, you know, walking across one at Chicago. Let me put it this way, DJ. You don't cross a drawbridge. A drawbridge crosses you. Oh, and there's the title of episode 103. A drawbridge crosses you. Okay. 
DJ, how's your life been? Uh, you haven't had any drawbridges. Count yourself lucky, I guess. No, what I mean, you been it's, been, to? it's been an interesting time in my life. Uh, you know, we purchased a new home, my wife and I, and we're settling in. And when you purchase a home, it's, um, you know, crucial things happen first, right? You need to get the bed in so that you can sleep. Um, you need to get the couch in so you can you can you know, do that dining room table, even chairs are very important. Uh, so we had all of our furniture from our previous home. So not really a big deal. Um, but the things that are deemed not as crucial tend to go to the wayside. In my case, my beloved Blackstone grill, uh, if you don't know, my Blackstone grill also has an air fryer attached to it. I think we've had some talk on the show in the past, and this is my second Blackstone that I'm on. Uh, and I intend to buy a third one if I ever need to in the future. I have not been swayed to do anything else, but when you are in a new home, when you're when you're trying to get everything moved in, and for us, you know, it was a multi-state move, a lot of things were just in the garage, and, you know, that was making me upset that we couldn't park in the garage. I'm one of those people that I don't like to fill my garage with stuff or make my garage be this ancillary room, um, or auxiliary room, I should say. It, it, I want my cars to go in the garage. It, you know, I kind of... I always worry about the sun fading paint on my car. I always worry, like, just things like that. Maybe I worry yeah. too much, but well, that's what I how really you love are. is... The, the, le- the least amount of time that you can spend outside in your day, the better. That's how you are. Uh, you go <laughs> into your car from the house, into the office. you got a parking garage, I'm sure. And if, if you don't touch sunlight for a day, that's a, a successful day in your book. I'm not really going to comment on that. Um, I'm just going to take that all those insults from the drawbridge comment. But you that's know, not an insult. I, that's I mean that's just how you are. You don't like to touch sunlight, and that's perfectly fine. And and sure, yes, I'm a little off because you got me thinking about drawbridges. But pre- proceed, I'm looking please. at my summer tan that I already have, and it's not even the summer yet. <laughs> But I I do love in the summer when it's, you know, 95 degrees in the morning. Uh, That's probably not true. But, you know, it's like mid-80s and humid and muggy. I love getting in the car in the garage. And the opposite in the winter when it's below zero. I love loading up in the car. You don't have to de-ice anything. So, anyways, one of the things that needed to be moved out of the garage was my Blackstone. And it's on little caster wheels. And I was waiting for maybe... Um, some friends to come over, we could do it together, but, you know, I had a free weekend, and a free day of a weekend, I should say, and I thought, you know what, I need to use this time to the best of my ability, I was like, I can do this, so I got below the Blackstone, got it out to, got underneath it, I should say, to push it, and it's on concrete, so not a big deal, but then once I got to my grass, I, I have to go up a hill around the house to the back, and then get it up on a pad, so I remembered pushing sleds uh, in the one year I played football, I was like, okay, just get low, all your powers in your legs, I pushed that thing all the way to the back of the house, then I hoisted it up on our concrete pad, got it up, and we're in business, and so I've been cooking on the Blackstone, um, it's been really great, we started with kebabs yesterday, that was our first recipe, nothing special here, nothing special here, just grilled chicken breast, chopped up into small pieces, Onions, red pepper, yellow pepper, um, red onions, I should say. No green peppers on kebabs. I don't I don't need that in my life. I like green peppers, but wouldn't put it on a kebab. Um, I'd give it a, a two and a half out of five. Um, we definitely should have seasoned them more. Um, but my Blackstone has a lid, and that's crucial for kebabs because you're not going to get this crazy sear on all the sides. It's just impossible without a flame. So the bringing the lid down allows the heat to build up and actually cook the thing. So you'll get one or two corners that are nice and crispy, um, but definitely safe. Here's my problem with kebabs, DJ, and I've tried to cook them before. It's a lot of chopping for not a lot of reward in my experience, but they're delicious when you get them right. My question to you is, how do you know when it's ready? Because meat cooks at a different pace than onion, than pepper that you didn't include, but tomato or whatever else you put on the kebab, it's on that heat all at the same time. So how do you navigate that? I think the key here is to do very low, very slow on the Blackstone. And the same would go for... You're talking my language. The same would go for, I think, a fire grill with charcoal or propane or whatever, where you have a flame underneath you. I think you would want it on the top rack, low and slow, maybe hit the char at the end. But you're going to get char on on a Blackstone when you do something like that. So you have to... If you don't like your peppers and your onions, you know, charred, you're not going to like this. Now, it wasn't burnt by any means, but... Especially red onions, when you really cook them a long time, they just become so sweet. And it was it was really good. <laughs> yeah. And I think what I love about kebabs, like you said, it's a lot of chopping and a lot of effort. But it feels like when you, like I had, I had four of them. 
And by the time I had four, it's like I only had a chicken breast, and then I'm just eating all vegetables, and I feel full. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the good. beauty of it. It looks like it's a lot of food. I mean, it's really not. It's just, I mean, it's grilled chicken and vegetables. It's like that's a very healthy meal, and you're not frying it. I mean, you're kind of frying it, I guess, but you're not bathing it in oil and deep frying it or anything like that. So I'd say it was a win-win. Now, we did have potato chips with it, so that canceled it out. There was an entire, at our, at our Walmart here, I was I was so surprised. Not an end cap, but an entire mid aisle square full of Utz potato chips. And I love Utz. It's one of my favorite brands. UTZ. Utz also owns Zaps, my other favorite brand. And where I'm where I'm from and where I'm living now, not very common to see that. So I think they're making a push um, to move to this part of the country. And they had every flavor, Chris. Um, yeah. Even the old fashioned Utz, the Zaps Voodoo, the Zaps. Oh, the the vinegar and um, oh the well, what is it? Sea salt and vinegar. That's like my favorite chip flavor ever. Um, it was great. So that's what we did yesterday. But today we we tried a different delicacy. Well, I got a, oh, another sure. question sure. with your kebabs. How do you eat them? Do you eat them on the stick? Do you like yes. walk around like you're at the carnival and you just sort yep. of gnaw at it? Okay. Yeah, I kind of I kind of popsicle it, and then I just move everything up with my hand to the end and just keep going until I'm done and I'm a glutton. So I'm like, oh man, time to go to number two. And then eventually you're on kebab four and you're like, wow, this just feels stuffed. I mean, when you're eating these big slices of pepper, it's just like, wow. Yeah. Not green pepper though. No green pepper is, it has its place. Pizza, great on pizza, um, certain salads, uh, Philly cheesesteak, of course. Um, but you cannot sit there and lie to me and say that an orange pepper and a red pepper and a yellow pepper, all three, do not taste better than a green pepper. Well, there's a reason why the green pepper is the cheapest. It's like 88 cents a pepper. Meanwhile, it's 125 sure. for the other peppers. But Again, it's great on a pizza. It's yeah. a supreme pizza with green peppers, onions, mushrooms. Oh, great. Now, speaking of chips, DJ, you had sent me a photo of huh. crab chips by Utz, and you didn't get them, so you were sort of teasing me there, but that's okay. I mean, I've had those chips before. They're very good. They're essentially an Old Bay-style seasoning on the chips. There's not crab in the chips, DJ. It's just the seasoning, but it's still very good, but it makes you especially thirsty because you're already eating salty chips, and then you <laughs> put that seasoning on it. Ooh, you got to have a drink with you. Uh, refreshing water <laughs> is the best thing for it. If you need that blue Powerade, that'll get you there, too. Uh, but next time, you're going to have to buy that because it would be great to do a sort of a taste test for you to try that because you've had Old Bay before, right? Yeah, I, I, I've had Old Bay, and I love Old Bay. Um, and I know you said there's no crab in it, but um, any sort of dish with a, cra a crab cake, a crab bisque, lobster, I mean, I love, love, love seafood, so I know I would, I would love it. Do you get much seafood where you are in the middle of the country? Not typically. I mean, everything you're going to get here is, is frozen. I mean, um, but there's plenty of fish like trout or bass or crappie or walleye catfish. or bluegill, catfish. Um, but no, I mean, I, and I, and that, that's what stinks is I love seafood. So anytime I'm on the East Coast or even close to the East, like even Baltimore, um, I always get seafood because I'm like, I just don't get this at home. Yeah. Yeah. We got to take you crab picking one of these days, DJ. No. <clears throat> I did hear that the freshest place to get seafood, if you're not on a coast, is Louisville, Kentucky, because that is the main center. I think this is according to their CVB or something, where all seafood comes, like, first before it's dispersed to the country. Hmm. So it's, like, one day out of the water as opposed to day of. How about that? I didn't know that, but the more you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But today I tried something a little bit different. Um, I tried what I would say is a sneaky meal. Sneaky as in sneaky good. Chris, today, after seeing a TikTok recipe, I cooked on the Blackstone oh, a, a Seattle dog. Do you know what a Seattle dog is? I do. It is oh, a hot dog with cream cheese on it. Am I right? I don't know if that's the main factor that creates a Seattle dog, but yes. Is it's it cream uh, cheese. slid open too? Slit open, cream cheese on one on one side of the bun, just a light layer. Um, that's the sneaky part. That's what really highlights the flavor of the hot dog. Uh, in the slit in the middle, jalapenos and onion, white oh. onion. And then over the top, sriracha. Oh, how about now, that? Now, I don't know if that was like a creative liberty thing, 
I don't know if that's what a typical Seattle dog has. In fact, I'm going to just go ahead and Google it to see if we're we're right here. Uh, it's a hot a Seattle dog is a hot dog topped with cream cheese and sautéed onions, uh, and served in a pretzel bun. So that's the other thing that was a little bit different. So kind of some creative liberties here. Um, this one shows. Well, no, this one says Seattle hot dog, uh, jalapenos, peppers or sorry, jalapenos, onions, sauerkraut, and sriracha. Wow, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Polish soft sausages often used instead of regular all dogs. Well, I was a little skeptical. I would give the recipe, though, a, a definitely a 4 out of 5, or I guess that would be an 8 out of 10. Um, the only issue is we chose Nathan's hot dogs, and so they're really small and skinny. They kind of curled up on the Blackstone, but... To cook a hot dog on a Blackstone, cut it down the middle, make sure they're still joining at the at the bottom, fry one side and then fry the other side. Five yeah. guys style. Now I like the sound of that. I I've never had a Seattle dog before. The thing is, I don't know if I'd like cream cheese on it. I'm sure it'd be fine and it'd be edible for me, but mm. I think back to when I had real fish sushi for the first time mm. uh, a couple months ago, and there was cream cheese in the, the sushi Philly roll. roll. This wasn't the just a roll. Philly roll. This was all sorts of different stuff. It was like cream cheese in every dish. I was like, is this because I'm in the South that there's cream cheese in everything? Is this a common thing with sushi? It's a, I think it's a United States thing. <laughs> I didn't love the cream cheese of it because I had had the California rolls before that had the avocado that added that fatty uh, texture to it. And mm -hmm. then the crab or imitation crab or whatever else with the sticky mm -hmm. rice and the veggies. And that was delicious. But I was glad, of course, that I had tried that sushi and tried raw fish for the first time. Um, but the, the cream cheese wasn't it for me. It was a cream cheese that was sort of Smoky. not cold with oh, yeah. the, the roll. Yeah. So it was sort of falling apart in that sense. And I don't know if it was just the sushi I was getting or if that's how cream cheese and sushi is. But... I, I've long said before, I'm sure I've said it on the podcast and to you and the dear listener before, I hate, I hate when cream cheese is masquerading in a sweet environment. I'm like, uh, what are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to impress? You're great on a bagel. It's stop trying to be cream cheese on a cake or in a cupcake or in a cake. Just stop it, please. You have your place with the savory and the salty, and that's wonderful. I'm happy for you. Please stay away from my sugars. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so I think it's just a broader thing that cream cheese, I don't like it when it tries to overextend itself. You don't see cheddar doing that. Of course, cheddar's on top of the world doing its own thing, good in everything pretty much. But I think cream cheese is trying to make a lot of inroads in ways that uh, are leaving the consumer worse off and I, yeah. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it I'm I'm disappointed that I have to but I feel like I have to, to step up and say that I don't like it in my sushi roll the one time I had it I don't like it on a cake or on a cupcake with red velvet no thank you I don't like it on a, a, a carrot cake don't get me started on that but oh, love it. there's just love something cake. about it so I have not had a Seattle dog before I wouldn't say no to it the first time, I would keep my options open by horizons widened. I would keep an open mind because I think that's what we have to do in 2023, but I'd be cautious. A cream cheese is my favorite, uh, probably just ingredient. I, I will put cream cheese on in, on, under, over anything. I think it's just an ultimate, ultimate, um, is it a condiment baking? I, I, I don't know. But I think what the Seattle dog also does, it functions with the jalapeno as basically a jalapeno popper with a hot dog. And the onions are in there. It, I mean, that's that's basically what you're doing. You got a toasted bun. Um, hmm. And I think it also highlights the saltiness of the hot dog. Oh, I would also much rather prefer a nice cheddar or even that sort of neon whiz in a jalapeno popper instead of cream cheese. Had to get that on the record, too. <clears throat> well, big cream cheese is going to be coming to your house soon, so I would lock your doors if I were you. No, I hope they roll out the spread for me and that they're... I hope that they try to sell to me in that sense where 
We heard you loud and clear, and now we're going to try to prove you wrong by showing you all of these wonderful applications of cream cheese. First, we'll start out with the bagel. Then we'll go down. We'll get you a nice sushi roll this time, and we'll we get the sticky rice, but now there's cream cheese. I hope they take me through all the steps and really show me the way, well, and then maybe I'll be swayed, but I doubt it. And you don't like cheesecake, right? Oh, no. No, thank you. Oh, man. That's like the ultimate dessert, man. Well, that's that's because ricotta. Wow. I think ricotta is in cheesecake. If it's not, it should be. Ricotta is the menace as well. It's disgusting. Mm. Get it yeah, out of my calzone. Crepe, so good. Get it out of my crepe. I don't Put want it in, it in my pizza either. Lasagna. You better stay out of my lasagna. I'd rather have feta cheese in my lasagna than ricotta. Wait, do you use? Uh, do, you, do you? Are you a cottage cheese user in your no, lasagna? No, 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 no. So no what do you? If you don't cheese. have ricotta or cottage cheese, what what is your lasagna? I get it out of the freezer and I put it in the oven. I don't ask questions. Oh, man. Parmesan, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. All right. There is That's probably fair. a little bit of ricotta in my freezer lasagna. but Yeah, there is. If you go to a restaurant, they just load it up with ricotta. Yeah, like, they do. Oh, it's spilling out. Yep. Because everybody needs to eat more cheese. There's all these cheese in the caves that it's a surplus that <laughs> they just shove these cheeses down our throats and I don't like it and I'm 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 gonna stand up and say something about it and I, I hope that you would support me in that effort. All right. I mean I'm here to I'm here to help, but I am a I stand cheese. I love cheese so much all No, I love it. cheese. I do. I'll dip it, I'll chip it, I'll do anything, but when cheese when some cheeses try to overextend themselves, I'm going to speak out about it because that's just how I was raised. Uh, but DJ, before we go any further, before we dive in, let's just cover some of the fun that we have had recently with some of our most recent episodes. And the most recent one, I talked about my trip to Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, because I got to go to Dark Coaster. I also got to experience food and wine at that festival there as well in Williamsburg. It was such a wonderful time. Got to try all these dishes, got to see the new coaster, the uh, experience all that incredibleness there. Um, but that was a lot of fun. I felt like that was a very me-heavy episode because it was me coming back from the wilderness with the tales of my exploration. Uh, and in this episode, I said, DJ, last, epi last, last episode was very me. Uh, what do you want to talk about for this episode uh, coming up right here? So you picked out something great, something I'm very excited for. Uh, but before we get into that, what other recent episodes have we had? We had one of my favorites, our 100th episode. Well, technically, not really our 100th, but we facsimiled it as our 100. We it celebrated. Was our 100th. It was? Oh. Was it not? I thought it was 101 masquerading as 100. I thought, that's all right. Well, it's 100 to us either way. Uh, that was our Planet Park at Myrtle Beach. That was. I think more out there, but I really had a lot of fun. I think it's why it's one of my favorites. Usually when we do these planet parks, we have a park that already exists. We're adding things to it, um, trying to have some fun along the way, see what we would add over the next five, six, seven, sometimes 10 years. But this was build your own park. It was like Lost Island style. We're going to open a brand new park. There's nothing really stopping us. We're not bringing in rides from somewhere. We didn't have a budget. So it was really Lost Island, Planet Coaster, Roller Coaster Tycoon episode with an awesome location in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We even did a little bit of pomp and circumstance looking back and saying, wow, we've made it to 100 episodes. We've done this. We have had these episodes through major life changes, through moves, through uh, advancements and changes and steps forward and steps back. And here we are at 100 episodes. That was great to celebrate that and have a little bit of fun with Planet Park, Myrtle Beach. Uh, but just before that, we also had a great episode, which was Wooden Coaster 101 with Matt from Martin and Vlemix, where Matt is a friend of ours. He's built wooden coasters around the world. He's, of course, worked on the legendary Boulder Dash at Lake Compounds, but he also built Leviathan at Sea World in Australia. SeaWorld being two letters um, in uh, the land down under. So if you're new to Corkscrew Convos, we'd like to say welcome. Thank you for stopping by. Let's take a look around, take a listen. We hope you enjoy yourself with our extensive catalog of episodes. And if you're still with us all this time, episode 103, we thank you, dear listener, for sticking around this entire time of these life events, these changes, changes in technology, and many other things that have happened. But we're not going to talk about the topic of this episode as the wheels of park development turn slowly. We have two new parks on the horizon. One has just really green lighted itself being open. We're talking about two parks here and 
first one I briefly want to discuss is a park that's been talked about for quite some time now. I mean, this is a park that whenever land was cleared, people were already speculating what they were, what was going to happen, what it would be called. And that's Universal's Epic Universe down in Orlando, Florida. This would be Universal's really their, would you say their fourth park, Chris, if you consider Volcano Bay, if you consider um, Islands of Adventure, if you consider the studios down there, this is the fourth property, right? Yeah, it's their fifth if you count City Walk. <laughs> okay. I mean, it has yeah. a ride there with the the boats. It does. I mean, there's City Walk, but this is, I mean, this is like kind of out by itself, similar to how Volcano Bay is. I mean, I'm really intrigued with how the parking will work right now. You go to this gigantic parking structure to go to all three parks in Volcano Bay. They shuttle you over there, and there's so much land at Epic Universe. I wonder if it will have its own parking. Who knows? Um, but I will say it's very convenient to be able to park in one parking spot and go wherever you need to and not have to worry about what's happening. Um, but Epic Universe in itself, the reason I wanted to quickly talk about this is I saw some photos that surfaced on Instagram and I'd been seeing them over over the months. Um, it's photos of what looks to be their key roller coaster. Maybe it's, I think, the tallest ride at the park. Now, who's to say that's true? Not sure. It looks to be that way. Um, this is an update I found from OrlandoParkStop.com, and it shows this dueling double coaster from Mock Rides. It's got, I think, four launches, if I remember. Three launches. Three LSM launches. It's thought that it will be called something like Starfall Racers, which sounds like it's kind of its own universal, epic universe theme. It's not related to an IP necessarily, except for Universal itself, but... Have you seen photos of this thing, Chris? I mean, it looks like it's got this wild inversion that looks like a, almost like an Immelman loop snake dive thing. I mean, it, I was reading in this article from Orlando Park Stop, and it says that Mock has actually patented this element, which I didn't know you could do that. But supposedly the idea is that you'll kind of get this effect of as one car comes up, one, or I should say one train, as one train goes up the hill, the dueling train flips around it upside down, and then as that train goes down the hill, the other train will flip upside down around it. Yeah, I think that's incredible. I've been seeing these photos as well, especially from uh, places like BioReconstruct on Twitter that has these aerial views of this construction. It's incredible to follow because uh, BioReconstruct also took all these photos of VelociCoaster being built. I think it was around 2020 and there was nothing else going on, but every day they'd get a little bit further in this roller coaster and I watched it piece by piece get built. And we're doing the same thing now with whatever this uh, dueling mm. roller coaster is going to be called. I think we've come a long way from the high five wooden coaster in China, if you remember correctly, I think it was right. around 2010, 2011, somewhere yep. around there, that there was this wooden coaster, coincidentally also Martin and Vlemix, that would go up a hill and then would have a, a 90 degree bank on both of the tracks that would go up the hill towards the other track. So there would be almost a high five element where you feel like if you reached out, you might be able to high five the other train going up the hill as well. And we've come a long way since then because of course we've had things like Twisted Cyclone at Six Flags Magic Mountain have that Top Gun stall underneath another hill and, and all these different interactions with the dueling roller coaster. And I think this takes that to the next level. It's incredible to see this tangle of track where it's very tall, it's very steep, where it goes up a huge hill and then down that other huge hill as well before doing this element. Uh, so it's very exciting because they're putting this in now in early slash mid 2023. I think we're getting the park in 2025. So we're not even going to see this coaster open for two years at least, maybe. <laughs> So it's, it, it really makes sense that they're going to be building around this coaster for the rest of Epic Universe, that they're putting this in first, and then they're going to add everything around it. All the lands, all the hotels, parking lots, whatever else they add is going to be added uh, around this centerpiece of a roller coaster. So I can't wait to see it. And what an epic centerpiece that the ride truly is. It'll be so fascinating to see how things are built in and around it. And just to see some of the hills on this thing. I mean, it looks like an airtime ejection machine. I know how comfortable mock roller coasters are. Some of the best, like, just seats in the business. I know that seems like a weird thing to critique, but such comfortable restraints, such, such comfortable seats. And 
it really seems like this is their version of maybe trying to do a similar experience to maybe Velocicoaster. Um, who knows? But it even looks like from these photos, I mean, the ride is not even halfway done. There's just just a jungle of supports and footers over to the other side of the ride. So we shall see when this thing opens. Like you said, we've still got a lot of time um, before it does open, but it's so cool to have a brand new track um, or a brand new coaster just pop up like this, a brand new park um, really from the ground up. It's something that doesn't happen often, um, and it's really awesome to follow along. Now, speaking of another instance like this, I want to, now here you go, you mentioned drawbridges, so this is your fault, but I, I want to briefly mention something that isn't on the outline. There's another roller coaster popping up on the other side of the world that I personally thought there's no way this actually happens, and yet we are seeing track go vertical for it, not just the station, <laughs> we are seeing an incline being built. Do you know what I'm talking about, DJ? Yes, is this in Cadilla? Yeah. Yeah, it's in that Six Flags Cadilla Park where it's Falcon's Fury, something like that, whatever they're calling it, where if it is built at a, as it has been promised, it'll break every single record in the books for roller coasters. So, I mean, I thought, oh, there's no way they open that. Look at that video. How could they do that? And yet we're seeing concrete and track and track going vertical up an incline now. And a mag lift like, like Maverick, not a cable, mm -hmm. not a chain. High-speed yeah, so lift to the top. <laughs> we, we need a bio-reconstruct over there who can take those aerial photos of it every week and show us the different construction. <laughs> and I don't think because, like the records are even close, right? It's not like, oh, we just went a little bit higher each time. We went a little bit faster. It's like almost 500 feet tall or something like that. Yeah, so I am going to be watching closely to see if that materializes as it has been promised, because that would be incredible. Uh, I, I still don't have a passport, so I don't know how I'd get any anywhere <laughs> that isn't the U.S., but uh, it's incredible to see if, uh, if that does turn out to be the tallest, fastest, longest roller coaster in the world. But back to Epic Universe. Back to Epic Universe, it's a park that we can't wait to get to. We're going to keep following along as different developments come up, but this is something that's been kind of on the tip of my tongue that I've been wanting to talk to talk to you about, Chris, and to you, dear listener, about this epic mock coaster coming to Epic Universe. Um, really something special there. Uh, but I think what the main anchor of this episode is for us is talking about this new SeaWorld park that opened I've had friends on social media, uh, and I've seen industry leaders visiting this park for various reasons, and wow, um, it's another example of kind of a ground-up thing. Now, this is part of, it's over in Abu Dhabi, it's, it's part of an experience of parks that exists um, at um, this part of the world. You have already there, Ferrari World, uh, you have Yas Water World, and you have Warner Brothers World. This is now the fourth park. Um, they're using the SeaWorld sort of a licensure to, to get this park up off the ground, uh, but they claim it's the region's first marine life theme park. This is in the United Arab Emirates, um, and it has eight immersive realms, uh, which is very interesting. Um, this is just straight off their website, 100 animal experiences. 35 interactive experiences and rides, 17 dining areas, 13 retail locations, along with roaming entertainment. Now, when you hear something like th like 17 dining locations, that does not mean 17 sit-down restaurants. They do have sit-down restaurants, but many of these are um, sort of your, you know, maybe a dessert sort of stand or a drink stand, you know, things like that. So don't think, oh, there's 17 restaurants in this place because there's, not, there's not. And I'm not counting them down or anything like that. I'm talking bad about them. It's just the reality of what it is. Now, as far as the prices, I thought we'd talk about this for just a second. Okay, a single day at this park equates to about $78 to $102. So that's $78 for a junior, $102 for an adult. Their annual pass comes out to $352. At the same time, although the annual pass is $352, you can get a four-park visit for $183. They also have a two park, which is like 375 of their currency, and then it goes up to a to a 475, a 575, so on and so forth. You get to this fourth park at 675, which is 183 dollars U.S. dollars, and that's valid for 14 days. Though I thought that was interesting. So you get the four park pass, you can use it for two weeks. Um, you now don't have to just do everything in a row. You get to visit each park once, and within that two week period, or is it a length of stay ticket for up to two weeks? 
I thought it was visit once. I don't believe it was what you're saying. Um, that would be a good time to fact check me. Probably. Well, I guess that would just be an annual pass at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, maybe that's valid for 14 days. Okay. Yeah. You have to yeah visit the next park within 14 days. So you only get to go once. Okay. Um, but I mean, that is, that's interesting to me for someone who would probably go once and never return ever again, uh, just because of price to get there and that sort of thing. The four park is very appealing. So I could go $183 and go to Ferrari world and ride formula Rosa, the fastest roller coaster in the world for I can now. Go to yeah. What's that for now? For now, I can go to Yass Water World, uh, which is just an incredible-looking water park. I mean, really awesome. And Warner Brothers World, which is also incredible. Some awesome IP attractions in this, in these indoor parks. I mean, that's worth it. Like $183. I'd sign me up for four full days. I mean, you're at less than $50 a day. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that seems like a, one of those crazy deals where how could you not get that if you were there? But... I think about these rides there. You mentioned World's Fastest Roller Coaster and the, all those different water rides in Yas Water World. But at Warner Brothers World in Abu Dhabi as well, they have this, I mean, they have this Batman ride that's built like Forbidden Journey. It uses that KUKA technology, but it's Batman themed. And just like, like, wow, I want that over here. How do we get that over here? But it's incredible yeah. that it's out there somewhere and it's in Abu Dhabi. It is, and I think I would also pair it with the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix <clears throat> Formula One if I could. That would just be the the cherry on the on on the cake. But that being said, this is an incredibly looking park. Let's talk about the realms briefly. Um, so this park is divided into realms. I think this is very creative how they did this. Uh, so they have eight, as they call them, immersive realms, and I'm gonna just read them through. And um, we have a link here where we can see photos of what each realm is, and they're all a little bit different from each other. So we have the one ocean realm. This is sort of a park hub, right? This is the portals to all the other realms. This is where you first arrive. It also takes you to their animal care center, which is like a fully operational animal care center, which is incredible just to think about. Um, but really, this is where um, you will be subjected to all of the other realms. There's like a main show that happens in the middle, um, but there's dining as well. But this is really to show you that, wow, you are in an epic place. You're about to have a whole lot of fun and there's a lot to explore. So one of the first places you go is the Abu Dhabi Ocean. This is sort of a very Arabian focused section of this park. Um, it's all about legacy, heritage, habitat, and heart is what they say. Um, they've got some interesting animals here, dugongs, snee snakes, sea turtles, bamboo sharks, different rays. Uh, and of course there's plenty to do here as well. Um, you've got live characters and performances that are happening, shopping and dining of course. Um, but it's more of like a cultural exhibit, um, more to honor the area that you are in. Um, and there's a kind of like a touching experience as well where you can touch uh, swimming um, animals as they're in the water. Um, it, it looks like maybe um, a, a, almost a salute to the culture of the area you're in. So it's sort of like there being a Key West location in SeaWorld Orlando. Is that it? <laughs> I guess you could say that. Sure. Okay. You could say that. It would be like, yeah, like, here's our Gulf of Mexico section, or like you said, or even like Everglades or something like that. Like this is, this is the part of the world you were in. So enjoy. And that makes sense. Totally. Um, Rocky point is an interesting one. This is like a, it's modeled after the Pacific Northwest. Um, so you've got lighthouses and rocks and like, um, Alpine trees, um, that sort of thing. You'll see sea lions around. Uh, you can feed sea lions there. That's where the sea lion encounter is. You've also got harbor seals. Um, they've got some otters, pelicans, cormorants. I've never heard of a cormorant. Um, oh, you don't want to, DJ. Cormorants are, cormorants? are nasty birds. <laughs> <laughs> they they oh. seem like beautiful looking birds, but that's, oh, what, you can, but <laughs> that's what you can do dive. in this section. They swim. I, back in the day when I worked at Disneyland and it was duckling season, there were all these ducklings everywhere. And wouldn't you know, sometimes there would be cormorants there and then they would go and they're a bird that sometimes can be bobbing through the water like a duck 
and then it just disappears under the water. And like 30 seconds later, it pops back up in a completely different spot. <laughs> sometimes it's with a fish. Sometimes it catches something else. I'm not going to go into further details there. But, I mean, it's a, a beautiful bird, but it, it, it does some stuff, DJ. It does some stuff. Well, I want to read this quick paragraph to you. This is This is crazy. Uh, Thanks to advanced technology, this is Rocky Point, we can simulate the water currents, wave movements, and lighting conditions of the animal's natural environment. An advanced animal lighting system, AALS, simulates the natural sun by recreating night, day, and seasonal light cycles precisely like those found in the Pacific Northwest. In addition to providing complete spectrum UVA and UVB basking areas. That is insane. Wow. (laughs) Now, I want that to translate into, is that an environment that I can step into where if I'm in Abu Dhabi, (laughs) can I go to Rocky Point and feel like I'm in Washington or Oregon? (laughs) Oregon, as people say, but it's spelled like Oregon. I I wonder if that's the case or if it's all behind glass, because if it's experiential to that point where I can step into that environment, too, I think that'd be very impactful. I mean, it looks like from the realms, like or at least the hub, maybe it's that way. Um, it, although the park is open, it's interesting. A lot of it still is very conceptualized online, it seems. So I, I, I need to watch some video reviews of this place because it just looks like just unbelievable. But then everything I'm seeing, it's like they haven't switched out the concept art yet. They're, they're yeah. still using it, even though it says right here it's open from 10 to 6. Interesting hours. Um, so now we move over to the micro ocean. This is sort of like microcean, if you will. Microcean. I love that way better. Microcean. This is like TM. An underwater, like almost honey, I shrunk the kids sort of vibe. Like you're going down to the small level of a starfish or you're inside of coral. Like you are very small, but it's also celebrating like small creatures, but also. Smaller people, like children. It's definitely a children's area. That's the whole idea here. There's four rides. There's play areas. They've got Turtle Twist, which is this Zamperla. I don't know the model. They had a they had this on the show floor at IAPA, like 2017, maybe. So you're in like a bucket chair, you and a friend, and you've got a a bar that you hold, and as you move that, you go up and down on height. Um, is there a sort of a kite above you? Yes. It's a Zamperla Windstar. Okay, so that's what that is. Oh, and sorry, it's, wind stars with a Z at the end. <laughs> oh, of course, got to throw the Z in. And it looks very unique. I mean, it's definitely themed well. This is one of those things that I had seen on some social media of folks that I follow. I love those rides. They're great fun. They also have OctaZoom, so that's sort of an eight-armed sort of thing. Um, I think it's almost like an octopus ride. I couldn't find anything about OctaZoom. I wonder if I just type it in here if what sort of photos I'll get. Have you ridden a sort of like an Irely octopus before? Like the Carnival Octopus ride? Yeah. 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 I've, yeah, done, I've done the, the octopus and the before. monster because there's like two variations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done both. It wasn't what I expected. Of course, the load and unload was its own thing, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where your legs, like, you're basically lying down. <laughs> Yeah, it's something else, and we don't see those rides a lot. So if there is a sort of success or a next-generation ride like we're seeing with an Enterprise sort of ride or even uh, the Kangaroo, uh, that would be very cool to see. So I'll, I'll be looking out for more information on that ride type. Well, that's the OctaZoom, and then they also have a few more play structures uh, and that sort of thing. Um, and the website's incredible, by the way. Um, they have a jelly plunge. This is sort of a kid's drop tower. It's not very tall or anything like that, but it's underneath a jellyfish, so it just looks cool in the concept art. Um, and then Eel Racer, that is their kid's coaster. That's a Zamperla ride itself. It's a, a Zamperla Junior coaster. So uh, all about little little folks here. There's also a kelp climb, which is kind of like a almost like a ropes course it's it's like a very tall play structure i mean you've got fencing and that sort of thing you're not in a harness or anything by that Um, but it's basically just like a kelp forest that you climb through and then there's also the explorer's sea base this is another sort of ropes and net climbing thing now both of those items have real photos of them in the space you can see in the ceiling and everything so it's very interesting that the four rides themselves 
still conceptual art, it seems. Well, I mean, if we're thinking about the the realities that they're working with, they I don't know what sort of their timelines were like when they were opening it, but I assume, I'm making a big assumption here, but I assume they wanted to get it open to the public as soon as possible, which then does limit the availability for doing a extensive photo shoot where you have to shut down the rise and and have talent there and then multiple takes and photograph on the ride and off ride which definitely takes a lot of time and a lot of money uh, so I can see that it's probably something that's in the works right now that they're working on these big photo shoots of the rides but uh, <laughs> a lot of parks if they open a new roller coaster or a new attraction there uh, the photo shoot is focused around that with this they have to document the visual identity of this whole park this whole enormous park all these different realms so right. I, I can see why it's definitely taking a little bit of time. No, 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 you know, that makes sense too. Um, I'm not an apologist by any no, means. No, 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 no. I mean, it totally <laughs> but, makes sense that the amount yeah. of, of labor it would require just to photograph all these things. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the other realms that we have here is the tropical ocean. I'll let you guess what that's all about. <laughs> um, it seems like one of the maybe less uninspired names, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, it describes exactly what it is. Um, this is where you'll find some more uh, animal exhibits, of course. You've got the dolphin presentation. Um, that's going to be dolphin shows, that sort of thing. Flamingos are there. There's a macaw um, sort of sanctuary thing going on. That's really cool. I love macaws. And then tropical birds. They've got their own um, space in there, too. And Tropical Fish and Rays, and that plays right into the Ray theme with their Manta coaster. Um, now, they use the photo of Manta at SeaWorld San Diego, um, which is a beautiful-looking coaster built by Mach, um, but this is not the same ride. This is built by Intamin. Um, it almost looks like basically what Intamin's been doing recently, just these insane roller coasters <laughs> that go upside down, have multiple launches. Um, the stats here are pretty crazy on this thing. Um, it's got an it's got a LSM launch, four inversions, 17 airtime moments, a bioluminescent tunnel, and what they are calling the world's first zero gravity flip. Now, I have tried to do some research on that. I cannot find anywhere that says what that is. Um, the only thing close to it I found on RCDB is that it's a zero G roll. So I'm not sure what makes this more special than any other zero G roll. I'm I'm confused. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. We'll have to uh, watch those POVs. Is a POV video available for Manta yet? I thought there was. Um, maybe there's not. Let's see. Oh. We'll have to watch that because, I mean, I know there are some coasters out there. A lot of premiere rides, like the custom one in India, I hear that it has a zero-G roll that has perfect airtime. Not hang time, but just that literal zero-G moment when you go through it because of how tight that roll is. Like the whole time. Uh, so, yeah. So I wonder if it's something similar like that, but they found something unique enough where they can call it a world's first. We'll have to see about that. It's also a little different in the fact that it goes outside. So everything else in this park is inside from my knowledge um, but this is kind of like Ferrari world where the mega coasters rather than trying to fit them into some sort of um, big box um, they just take it outside and there is a POV of it I'm watching it right now and it's very interesting to see that everywhere you look there's not like I wouldn't say trash it just doesn't look finished it's kind of like what you were saying they're just wanting to get it open um, and that's great of course um, but by doing that um, you know, there's a lot of cleanup to be done. It's also saying four inversions on their website. Um, and RCDB also says four, but I'm not seeing where... Oh, this might be the element they're talking about. Does it... No? Huh. Very strange. Oh, yep, there it is. It's kind of like this stall thing, almost. Yeah. Well, it looks like it goes all around shipwrecks and that sort of thing. A lot of different elements, near misses. Um, but I think some parks in this country could take some lessons from this because there's artificial facades you go in and out of it's nothing's moving necessarily because you know you're going 30 40 miles an hour things don't have to be moving um but it's cool to create these artificially head choppers foot choppers that sort of thing yeah it sounds like a great ride and now we have three different mantas at SeaWorld Perks all across the country. Um, so Is it more than three? Let me think. There is Manta in San Diego, Manta yep. in Orlando. Yep. Is there one in San Antonio? 
No. Hmm. Okay. Then yes. The um, unless there's a flat ride, there might, they might have a flat ride called Manta. They might have I mantas there. There I might be mantas about. in the ocean. That, uh, would run up the tally a little bit. Uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> That's Tropical Ocean. Three more zones to go. The Arctic. Uh, this is where you're going to find the walrus habitat. Um, there's also like a research vessel, which seems interesting to me. Uh, puffins, sea otters, cold water fish. And then the Hypersphere 360, a fully immersive 360-degree multimedia sphere. You embark on a journey full of wonder and discovery beneath the waves. Um, you're equipped with the most forward-thinking scientific technology and interactive experience on all decks. So it looks like sort of a 360 motion theater, although you have over-the-shoulder restraints, so that's interesting to see with seatbelts. Is that like that theater that it was in Futuroscope or something where <laughs> there was a viral video about uh, the uh, off-ride of that theater going through all these different movements and, and fog and all these different things, and the caption was... POV, you are inside of a Roomba. <laughs> uh, I wonder if it's that same ride. I mean, it kind of looks like that. Um, I could definitely see it being that, at least from what you're describing. I mean, for it to do these crazy movements, I would think would justify these over-the-shoulder restraints. Um, they also claim they have some live characters and performances. Um, and then also that, that research vessel seemed interesting to me. I don't know if I found anything else about that. It, it basically just seems like one of those educational experiences that SeaWorld loves to have so much, and they're great. Um, so that's essentially what you're doing there. Well, that's how you get the field trips. That's right. <laughs> if there that's are right. field trips uh, in Abu Dhabi, I don't know. Yeah, there could be. There's also the Antarctica. So this is different from Arctic. You have Arctic and then Antarctica. This is the penguin ha habitat, penguin play. Uh, they talk about the the dining here as well. So there's king penguins, gintu penguins, rock hoppers, chin straps, macaroni, and Adelaide penguins. So any sort of breed <laughs> of penguins, they've got them here. Um, penguin play is like this elevated play structure. They've got net climbing, slides. There's some soft play elements as well. They're also going to have the live characters. Um, looks like they have like a Italian cuisine here, which is interesting. That might be... Well, you mentioned macaroni. Is that a type of penguin and a dish? It must be, yeah. Macaroni, a very distinct looking penguin species that can dive anywhere between 15 to 70 meters and can hold their breath for up to three minutes. That's how they tie it. You get the macaroni penguin while you're eating macaroni and cheese. Well, I remember the dining was was very striking to me. We'll have to visit the dining here at the end and kind of go through that quickly. But the last zone realm, I shouldn't say zone, it's a realm, is called Endless Ocean. This seemed like the coolest to me, at least I think I would like the most. Um, this is home to the world's... Okay, so this is the record. The world's largest multi-species marine life aquarium. This aquarium has over 68,000 animals with sharks, wow. rays, and schooling fish. Um, it's, the idea is it sits just below the surface of the ocean, um, and it's kind of a jumping-off point for exploration. It shows really the vastness of the ocean itself. Um, you also have the chance to discover seven other habitats that invite you to explore the endless beauty and diversity of the vast ocean from many different perspectives. Uh, they talk about these observation areas, so the viewing areas into the various habitats including a 20-meter vertical window named the Endless Vista, the cave, as well as tunnels, and an escalator ride to the bottom of the aquarium will change the way you experience, engage with, and appreciate the marine life of the deep seas. So here's probably how they get their number. They have schooling fish. It says not one, not even a thousand. Get to know tens of thousands of fish, their behaviors and their habitats. Some of the fish you encounter are big-eye shad and Indian sardines. Nine different shark species, including sand tiger sharks, sharks, zebra sharks, gray reef sharks. Um, rays, six different types of ray, including mobula, spotted eagle rays, cow nose rays, moray eels. Um, they're kind of like no, in these different... No, moray's peers. <laughs> moray's peers all over the caves of the endless oceans. Day octopus, the animal that is not, cons is not only considered to be the most intelligent of invertebrates, but also has three hearts. And finally, crustaceans. It says a variety of crustaceans, like the channel-clinging crab, mantis shrimp, and spiny lobsters. 
So plenty to do. It looks like coming soon, you're, you're going to be able to sea dive at an additional charge. You'll be able to dive. There's also Sea Venture, which is like one of those, like, not diving, but you put on one of those helmet things. Um, not, oh, it's more yeah. like being in the water than diving itself. Um, they've got live so, characters. Oh, go ahead. So no whale shark? No whale shark. I didn't see one. Guess we can't all be the Georgia Aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible aquarium I've heard. Um, yeah, it looks like some of the characters and performances. There's like a robot sort of host. So it's kind of like a high tech sort of thing as well. Um, they've got an interactive experience with touchscreens and that sort of thing. This is where you'll find Fathom 11. That's their most expensive restaurant that we'll talk about here in a second. And shopping. So those are the eight realms. Before I jump into the um, dining here, what are you most interested in, Chris? Do you think you'd find yourself at one more than the other? I know what my answer would be. Well, here's my question. In this endless ocean, is this a functioning ecosystem with mm. all of these predators and prey there? I mean, how do you prevent the shark from going after the school of fish? I mean, is it a functioning e ecosystem where there is enough of a, a critical mass of each species that they can procreate and exist in this environment. And then they feed each other and then they go up the food cycle. Is that how it works? Because that would be very, very interesting if that were the case. I don't know if it is, but it's, it's huge. I mean, they fed all of these tens of thousands of fish there. I have to wonder. Well, it says eight habitats. So I like to think that those eight are separated, but I mean, that would be fascinating just to watch life play out, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I think that there's a lot of time that I would spend at Endless Ocean. Uh, I think that would be what I gravitate to, if not Tropical Ocean, in those rides. Yeah, I think Endless and Tropical for me, too. Um, I mean, I would do, I'd go through all of them for sure. And I don't know if you really count one ocean as a realm, necessarily, but more of just a jumping off space. But... Um, I did want to quickly touch on the dining. So there's 17 international dining outlets, but they do have this restaurant called Fathom 11. That seems the most expensive. Um, that's all about steak and seafood. So like I said, there's not 17 like super fancy sit down restaurants, but they do have the Fathom, which, you know, seems like that's going to be your more typical restaurant experience that you can choose from. Um, that being said, um, there's a place where you can get like a hot dog or a cookie, a bamboo bites. Um, there's a place with sandwiches and salads, desserts and pastries. There's a kids area. Uh, there's a coffee shop, uh, different cafes, uh, frozen treats, Lost Cove treats, fried dough, which sounds heavenly, um, Spice Island. This is like Asian cuisines. Uh, and then they also have uh, kebab, salad, shawarma um, as in its own spot and a pretzel point. You got to have pretzels. Of course. I know this is a licensed park with the SeaWorld name, but all the SeaWorld parks are big on those pretzels that they make fresh every day. Yeah, I'm sure there's some tradition there. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's try it here, too. There's also like sort of a Sea Snacks, which is like a high-tech snack shop. Um, the Catch, you're going to find uh, fish and chips. Wanderside Cafe, there's authentic Mexican there. Um, there's also Wazi's Market. Um, that's where you'll get your sweet tooth, quote, truly satisfied. And then Umberto's. This is the uh, Italian eatery uh, that's located uh, in the Antarctica section. Huh. It's funny how they, they uh, combine these, like you said, with uh, Alberto's and the Antarctic section. But that well, it's cool. Like a lot the, of food. And the logo from Umberto's might be my favorite. It's this sort of um, early... 20th late 19th century logo with a, with um, the Arctic Antarctica mountains underneath it and then like a Zeppelin blimp over the top so it must be like a oh yeah this weary traveler has stopped at Antarctica that's a, that's that's fun <laughs> yeah that's that's how it always is where yeah I've come on my uh, international journey and I've stopped in Antarctica to share to this my... taste of the world with you <laughs> And that's perfectly fine though, with the, what the theme is. I mean, it gets the job done, so I can appreciate it. It does. And so that's SeaWorld, licensed in Abu Dhabi, or SeaWorld Abu Dhabi. It's part of Yas Island. There's plenty to do at Yas Island. Like we said, there's all those theme parks. There's Yas Marina, the circuit where they do races all across the year. Plenty to do. Yeah, it sounds like there is so much going on there. 
I mean, there's a whole world out there, DJ. Of course, there's one ocean that is actually seven oceans, I think, or I don't know. I, in elementary school, I think there were four oceans, Pacific, and now there's Atlantic, more than four. Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, Arctic. I think there's another one now. A, a new ocean has been explored and okay. discovered Oceania. since I left elementary school. Okay. Um, so, I mean, if only we had the internet to look it up, but we're not going to do that right now. We'll leave that to the dear listener <laughs> if they really want to know, but... It's incredible. I mean, I don't have a passport, but one of these days, I always tell myself, oh, I got to get a passport. Yes, then I got to work with all that bureaucracy to do it. But that's what you got to do to get out there and see the world. So one of these days, I really got to. And I like how you said at the beginning of this segment here, the wheels of theme park development turn slowly. But I think, DJ, time can really be perception a lot of the time. It feels like Epic Universe, when it was announced in 2019, I remember thinking, Wow, uh, they they were sort of pressured into an answer when they said 2024. Of course, this was pre-pandemic when they announced that opening. I said, yeah, it'll be 2026 when that opens. There will be delays, and I think they're aiming for 2025 right now. Which I mean, I, I think that's the case because we're already seeing large scenic pieces built for well, How to Train Your Dragon. You have to satisfy investors too. You got to get them excited when you're a publicly traded company. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that's what that's it was on an investor call when they released that information, and it sounded like maybe it wasn't planned to be released there, but he had to say it to get people <laughs> excited. <laughs> and that's just how it goes. But uh, time really is relative in perception because this SeaWorld Park, I remember hearing about it years ago. Of course, there were plans for a SeaWorld Park before the Great Recession. 10 or 15 or so years ago, an entirely different project by the look of it, where there was an orca-shaped archipelago that would have been built for this. And apparently this is something entirely different, where eventually a, a SeaWorld license found its way to this operator and built this park here. And uh, it's incredible. I mean, it sort of just feels like I know there have been years and years of development, but for me, who wasn't necessarily following this project, it feels like it just sort of popped up. And that's incredible to think about how Epic Universe, I'm, I'm following it frame by frame, looking at each track piece being built. And then here we are with SeaWorld. Oh yeah, there's this new, this new huge park with the SeaWorld branding, but it does something entirely new. And it's, I think that's just funny how time can be different like that sometimes. I think I compartmentalize it too. It's like, oh, okay, that's a thing I'll never get to when I heard about it in 2017 or 18. So I just farm it in the back of my mind and then realize, oh, no, it's it's happening. It's here. Yeah, it's here. And that's incredible, DJ. Uh, so I do thank you for bringing us through this breakdown of SeaWorld Abu Dhabi because there's so much going on there. And now there's a whole SeaWorld park there, too, which is incredible to think about. And it really sounds like someplace special. Uh, but DJ, before we close up, I wanted to put a little solicitation out there. Sure. where I, I wanted to try something new. I ran it by you last night. I said, what if we did this? And you said, Chris, I think you're onto something. And I I'm think it's because you had the logo created. You, you show me a logo, I'm a sucker. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah. is, is going to work. Well, I was on Photoshop trying to play around with gradients, and, and so I put something together right there. And, uh, of course, dear listener, if, uh, if you're listening to this, you've already seen this uh, uh, graphic on social media as well. But I've, I've discovered the adv that advice columns are still a thing. And I am amused by that. I'm entertained by that. I am enthralled by that, where people seek advice from other people. Sometimes they are people that really know a lot. They've lived a lot of life, and now they're here to provide that advice. Sometimes it's just someone giving advice, and sometimes it's funny. Uh, sometimes it's really something different. But I want to try something new with this right here. I want Corkscrew Convos to be a conduit for you, dear listener. So what I ask of you, please write in with some advice that you're seeking. Say, Dear Cece, as in Corkscrew Convos, because usually they have little cute abbreviation, Dear Abby, Dear Sugar, different things like that. <laughs> We're going to say, Dear Cece. I've been going through this thing. Uh, maybe I'm going to a park or I'm going on a road trip and I, I don't know what to do about this one thing. Seek that advice from us. 
We may not have lived a, a whole world of experiences, but I'd like to think that we could put something together that would be useful to you, or at least a starting point of what you need to do to get that real advice. So write us in and say, Dear Cece, blah, 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 and so on. And then we will read that out of the podcast. We will uh, formulate a response for you and hopefully get you some good advice because all these advice columns are all so involved and so meaningful. And I want to see if there's a piece of that that we can recreate with Corkscrew Convos with this platform that we have right now. So it can be anonymous. It can be non-anonymous. Whatever you feel like, go ahead, send that advice request in, dear Cece, uh, to corkscrewconvos at gmail.com can be coaster-related, it can be park-related, barbecue, uh, blacktop, smoker, anything really that you want to send in to us for advice, we'd be happy to, uh, to go through that and hopefully get you some advice there. Absolutely. We're here for you, and we'd love to, to get your, uh, your questions out here and, and, and really answer maybe what's been on your mind. Who knows? And maybe we'll read all of them. Maybe we'll read some of them. Maybe this won't work. Who knows? But we're willing to try anything. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we covered the email address. That's just one way to have a corkscrew conversation with us. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, that sort of thing. We've been putting a lot of stuff on Instagram related to Dark Coaster recently, so that's a great way to see uh, a visualization of what that new space looks like with Dark Coaster, going back to that castle, seeing the coaster itself. Uh, so there's, there's really a reason to follow on each of these platforms there. Uh, if you want to help out the show, there's a very free, easy way to do that. That's by leaving a written five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star review on Spotify. Uh, it helps us to grow the show and get it out to more people so more people can listen or, or write in and say, Dear Cece, the other day I was dot, 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 and so on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a great free way to help us. I think that's the best thing to put out there. I mean, Chris and I just do this because we have a lot of fun. But if you do want to help us, if you love the podcast enough, please leave the review. Um, just a great way to help us all around. But until next time, my name is Chris. My name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>